in your early career, you're so focused on producing the best work you can possibly create. And I think it's easy to lose sight of the fact that being stressed or and showing that um, around the other people you work with is going to affect your relationship with them. And losing and having that relationship is more important than you getting like a perfect shot, you know? On this week's episode, I was able to sit down with Marcus Catlett, an incredible cinematographer, DP, creative, skier, rock climber, and fellow lover of the suffer. I've had the opportunity to work around Marcus on a few occasions and have been following his media creations for some time, which has allowed me to follow his career and witness him in his field. He is honestly one of the most talented people I know. In this conversation, we discuss working in the industry, burnout in work and life, how to manage imposter syndrome, and dealing with anxiety inside and outside of work. He's coming off a rowdy and jam-packed winter of constant shooting out in the mountains that have produced some absolute incredible work. We discussed the suffer and what draws us to it, his world in climbing and his recent ascent of a 22 pitch climb here in the Wasatch called Squawstruck, the second longest bolted route in the U.S. We talk about balancing out life and keeping priorities in check around our hobbies and work, especially when they start to bleed into each other. This was a really great conversation with Marcus and I had a ton of fun with this one. Hope you all enjoy it and thanks for being here. Yeah, just starting off, how the hell are you, man? for these dogs to stop barking oh dude it's all part of it <laughs> part i guess just set the stage for us real quick where That's are we true. at oh yeah so uh we're in my backyard right now we're sitting on the deck we got the flow of big cottonwood in the background here did it uh did it flood in did not it, quite we have a little sandbag a, barrier going yeah a little barricade just in case so i didn't make it up no, but I'm thinking what we do is take a couple sandbags and chuck them in the river and create a river wave and oh. then see if we can surf it. I think it might actually be deep enough. Dude, that thing's flowing pretty good. Um, but I don't think the neighbors would be too stoked. Probably not. No. If anything, not. you'd probably get a rope. We used to do that in Idle Falls. There was like this concrete slab and we'd tie like a five foot rope to this metal bridge and have a skimboard and you just sit there. Oh, that's it was never sick. big enough to like sit without the rope, but was it deep enough where you didn't just like hit oh, the no, bottom? Oh no, dude, it was it? only like halfway up your shin. Oh <laughs> damn, <laughs> just straight concrete. Yeah. So I mean, we were in high school. There was no consequences back then. That's true. It's funny how much that changes, and now you're like the you, risk reward line. Oh yeah, you're like I don't really have time to be injured right now. I got I got stuff to do. Yeah, and uh, now you realize you have to pay for it. You have like to pay for it. Like in high school, if like all my friends bring stuff, parents always just, you know, that was that thing. Yeah. But now it's like, nope. Well, and your healing time I can't get is like five yeah. times as long. Body doesn't really recover like it used to. No, not at all. Well, dude, what's uh, what's going on right now? It's kind of what's... um, You know, so right now... It's kind of the start of the summer and I feel like everyone is coming to me with projects for work, mm -hmm. which is cool. So there's a lot of things cooking right now. Because you were slammed all winter. I was slammed. Yeah. Like, I Like every day. Every day. Yeah. Because I, I think we're shooting, I helped shoot like three different ski films this year. And then all on right. top of it, had a had a retainer client that was all um, ski outerwear stuff. Okay. And then 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone was just coming to me with anything ski related, which is great. I was yeah. busy, um, and we had a great season, so that worked out well. An amazing season. Amazing season. Um, but yeah, by the, by the end of the season, I think I was definitely feeling it pretty good. <laughs> if you're shooting skiing like, you know, 10 days a month, yeah, uh, you get a little sick of the cold. And I think, too, you just kind of run out of inspiration. You're like... How do you make it different than the last 22 days? Everything feels the same, especially this is a weird thing to complain about, but when you're shooting powder every time, (laughs) it's all just, it's all just powder, slow-mo, blower shots, you know? I mean, we'll probably have this conversation next year and we'll be like, man, we didn't have any snow. Yeah, like it's probably going to be one of those. And I'll look back on this conversation and be like, "Damn, I should (laughs) have been more grateful." Yeah, I'll I'll take the I'll take the powder. (laughs) But I feel like so many of us were like, "Like, please no! Like, just can we have a week where it doesn't snow and we can just recover a little bit, you know?" Um, And it just kept coming. So did the new snowfall, like all the frequent snowfall, push production days? Like, did everyone want to get out? more frequently absolutely yeah i think everyone was way more after it um and i think too based off of last year like i think people just kept thinking this might be the last powder storm oh okay and then it's like oh this one might be the last (laughs) and so like everyone just kept wanting to get out there (laughs) milk it for all it's worth but it just kept it just just kept kept coming coming this year yeah it was a lot it was cool i think you know like so many people are like see the behind the scenes and they're like it's so sick seeing all the skiing stuff and it is cool it's really fun super rewarding Mm -hmm. um but But you don't see the six hours standing in your ski boots (laughs) exactly deep in snow waiting for the next shot yeah exactly like there's a lot of times where i'm just standing in the cold waiting for like 45 minutes so that the talent can like hike back up the hill and yeah try it again only to eat it again on the same jump and i'm going to use that shot yeah and it's like well you know we stood out in the cold for you know eight hours today and uh-huh. we got two shots maybe yeah um so that is the tough thing with skiing it's a little unpredictable true it's and weird with yeah in an environment like that when you're outside of a studio doing repeatable things is not very easy it's not like you can do like 20 takes inside like pretty quick pretty much with any other sport any other sport you can get a lot more yeah. takes quick yeah going down to the bottom riding the lift going back up getting the camera out and then getting back to the spot is mm-hmm. just so time consuming yeah and who knows if the talent is going to be able to perform i think that's the other issue it's like so reliant on, on yeah the and then they have the they have the pressure of you know when there's drone up three cameras everyone's yelling speed and then it's you know drop waiting for the light to come in because i remember the, the day i went out with y'all the till was two days yeah it was super cloudy and i remember just watching across the the mountain like the pocket of sun coming and we're oh, like yeah. all right everybody get ready get ready like the sun's about to hit and we're like okay go 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 yeah we'd have like <laughs> 10 seconds we're all just sitting there watching the cloud yeah then we just wait for the next pocket of sun to like come rolling through. Yeah. I think that's the other, that's the other tricky thing when it's storming that much is you're just getting cloudy weather and then the lights flat, which isn't always the worst thing. But Mm -hmm. I think for me, 
I'm starting to understand how much light affects how good a shot looks. Yeah. And when it's cloudy all the time, you can't control it. So I think for me right now with the business as a whole, I want to be able to keep filming like extreme sports stuff, Mm -hmm. but then also really be planning out weather and angles and what time of day we should be there and even bringing some like bounces and stuff so we can shape light outside and, and actually make things look beautiful. Yeah, it's quite a process. And I want to put a pin in all like the production stuff, but to like go back kind of the beginning of you getting into this industry, kind of how did it, how did it come about for you? Uh, Was it started in like a high school phase or was it? I think even middle school. Middle school. I remember in eighth grade, I made uh, a video like for a school project or something like that with a GoPro. And I can't even... I can't even remember what the software I used what was. What was it? The, the GoPro Hero 2, maybe? Two, one? yeah. First ones. When it was in the plastic little case. <laughs> I think I've had, throughout my life, I've had like eight GoPros. Yeah. And I've never sold one. You still have them I've, all? I've lost like oh. most of them. <laughs> <laughs> Almost every time. <laughs> but that's the great thing about GoPros. It's not very consequential. Yeah. But... In the grand um, scheme of camera gear. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've been I've been doing little things like that f- forever. And then I think when I f- took it seriously was maybe in college. I was, like, uh, recovering from an injury, and I wasn't able to ski or anything. My parents bought me a camera. All right. And so I was playing around with it more. It was, like, my first real camera, you know, mm-hmm. not a GoPro. <laughs> And, um, at the same time I was taking a photo journalism class. Okay. And that was really cool. Cause I got to learn like theory and just, just concepts in general, mm-hmm. composition, everything like that. Um, and it gave me a good base okay. and like understanding of like, why, why do certain shots look good? Like why do we use rule of thirds and mm-hmm. all this, um, basic stuff that I still use today, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the business started, I was doing graphic design out of college. Okay. I was working. Is that like, what you went to school for? No, I actually, I went to school for public relations. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> then ended up getting this job doing graphic design in my hometown. Um, pretty much purely just because I could use Adobe. Okay. <laughs> and everyone else was like <laughs> 60 there. <laughs> So just just opening the app was yeah. amazing to them, you know. Yeah, downloading it was just like, whoa! <laughs> like, this, this guy knows crazy. what he's doing. What is this? A computer? <laughs> um, so I was working like two hours a day nice. or something, realistically. Yeah. And then I turn in a project, and they were like, "You're so fast! Like it's amazing!" And I'm like, "I literally couldn't have gone any slower on this project." <laughs> um. Anyways, the the company went through a huge like lay uh layoff and uh, i heard about the severance package mm-hmm. and i basically just told my manager like hey if you need to cut someone like i'm i'm down <laughs> um so <laughs> he laid me off another employee on the team and i took the severance and i just bought like one lens one camera Hell i already yeah. had a camera and a lens but i i bought like a nice okay like, finally like yeah my first quality camera and okay. lens. 
Um, and I kind of just started taking, I was already doing a little bit of photo work for other companies on the side, but very novice stuff. And I started doing it a little bit and I was like, cool, I'll just do this. And then in three months I'll, you know, get a real job. Okay. Um, and I, and it's funny because my mindset stayed that way, like further and further, like once three months came, I was like, cool, I'll just do this for another three months, you know? Okay. And it just, the whole media space, you're just like, I'll just do it right now until I get something else. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Um, and then I think after a year it was like, okay, I guess this is just like my job now. (laughs) <laughs> and I'll just keep doing this because so there's never like a long aspiration of like I, that's what I want to go do it just kind of fell in and then yeah not really I think I I think I maybe wanted to but didn't think it was feasible yeah okay. because um, I didn't really know anyone else who was doing it mm-hmm. like full-time freelance and because um, you grew up in uh, White Tim in Washington. Okay. Which is like a small, small town, very small town, like a okay. tiny little mountain town, um, near Hood River, Oregon. So like right across the river there. Okay. Yeah. So when there's like no one around that's doing anything remote, you don't even know that's kind of like a, almost an option. Yeah. Like not, no one I knew really was like working for themselves at yeah. least my age, you know? Yeah. Um, and then on top of it, I was living back home. So I didn't feel like I could get a lot of work there, mm-hmm. um, which is why I ended up moving to Salt Lake, actually. Okay. Uh, I came out here on a trip, and I was talking to a, a photographer friend, and she was like, there's just so much work out here. Like, you wouldn't have an issue. And I was like, okay, great. And then I moved <laughs> out here, and for my first year, I didn't have a single local client. Really? <laughs> yeah. Should- I even had, like, I have... I had like one main one in Canada and then one in Australia randomly. So how was that? Yeah. How did that even, I I think that stemmed from me in my beginning stage, just like sending out a hundred emails a week. Okay. You know, getting one reply that yeah. was probably no. Yeah. And then just slowly getting like a couple clients. Okay. So did you ever travel to Australia or is it all just like remote? No, it's all Taking, okay. Yeah, they just oh, I wish. They <laughs> <laughs> they just shipped me the products and I think too, I was like, you know, I was charging nothing. I was charging like sixteen dollars a photo or something. Yeah. Um right. and they would so they were just kinda like, you know, whatever we For, get is yeah, great. Yeah. You know. For that, okay. Um, so that was that was yeah, that was the start. And how long ago was that? That would have been twenty twenty. Oh, so also like, during the pandemic. Yeah. And also very recent. Yeah. Yeah. Relatively, I guess so. Yeah. In the grand scheme, it feels like yeah. forever ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. 2020 does feel like quite a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, in the grand scheme, that's like a catapult. I mean, I was just assuming that that would have a lot longer because like seeing your work now and like your skills, like you're phenomenal at what you do. Like you really like, I think around Thanks, here and a lot, like there's a reason you're just slammed all winter, <laughs> like the creativity and like the rigging stuff is just insane. Oh, thank like you. the shots are incredible. So Thanks, yeah, man. that's been quite the, uh, I don't know if it was like a hard learning curve for you, but I feel like you've really launched in, I mean, just three years. Yeah. Um, I feel like, 
I feel like I just got super passionate about it. Uh huh. You know, anything where I can learn quickly and then also see the results, mm-hmm. I think I get learn and apply and like see the growth yeah and like see change yeah and, and with like photography and filmmaking there's really no ceiling you know it's like true you can always be learning something there's you can never get to the top necessarily mm-hmm. i mean i there's i'm sure there's directors that are like i'm at the top yeah but in reality there's always something you could learn and so i i think i just really dove into it i got really excited about it and i think um too what's cool is like I look at it more as like, this is a, this is a fun hobby Mm -hmm. that I get to do and have fun with. And then on top of it, I get paid for it. And of course, like not every job is super glamorous. Yeah, of course not. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I think me trying to push creativity with like the outdoor space has helped me stay in that kind of realm. And it's also like helped me stay passionate about it because I'm still like constantly trying out new shot ideas and pushing it in that way. Mm -hmm. So do you think that kind of always trying to stretch yourself helps burnout or kind of what helps, what helps prevent burnout? Mm. Cause I think maybe in the creative space it can start to become really redundant because a lot of advice out there, I feel like leans to more, Leans more towards like find a niche, which is kind of true, but mm. I feel like if you're not careful, it can just become the most like redundant thing. Definitely. And I see like you always are just trying weird shit, <laughs> like with rigging, <laughs> yeah. and it and it works, and it, they're great. Well, you you only see the stuff that works. Oh, of yeah. course, there's going to be more failures than successes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to try stuff out to figure out what does work. Um, but yeah, yeah, so I guess how do you combat the burnout? I think I think that definitely helps with the burnout. Um, I was talking to someone about this recently, and I think you got to go into every project thinking like, this is a project that could potentially get me other projects that I am passionate about, mm-hmm. and treat it more as like an opportunity to learn and try out new things. Got it. And like not every project you can do that on because sometimes that's not what the client wants. They want mm-hmm. very clinical, yeah. just by the book, like yeah. interviews or whatever. Yeah. So you can't do that with everything. But I still think you can get creative and and you can bring it up to the client and typically they're down. Like mm-hmm. as long as you can find time for it. Okay. Um, that's what happened with backcountry on the competitive cycle issue is you know they they just needed like b-roll for their youtube oh. and uh like when they're just talking about bikes yeah. that's really what that shoot was for but i was like Let's... hey I'm, I'm trying out some like pov stuff and like yeah. hard mounting onto the bike what do you guys think and they're like yeah go for it like whatever you want to do i was like okay <laughs> cool and those shots turned out amazing. And they were, yeah, I'm pretty hyped <laughs> on how those turned out. Dude, I'm stoked on those. Like, I don't, I haven't seen anything like that in the bike world, I especially think, in an industry that's kind of always been the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, those shots were pretty, like, <laughs> damn. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fun. And, and it's cool because I think, too, um, especially with the with the rigging stuff it's like now that i sort of know what's possible 
and I have some tools to make things like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like exponentially my brain is growing in the sense of like thinking of even crazier things I could potentially do. Yeah. You know, and now my brain is just constantly doing that. And I think, <laughs> I think I have to be a little careful because I'll get caught up in just like, what is the coolest shot? Yeah. Okay. Rather than being like, what shots do we actually need for the story? to make sense yeah um and that's where like it'd be nice working on some bigger sets where i'd be like dp or something and then have a director to kind of keep me on track storyline and or like keep the whole set going with Mm -hmm. the story and then have me more focused on just the picture and like composition and everything of that one shot okay because right now are you kind of all hats i'm kind of i'm kind of both yeah, yeah. typically typically i mean it depends but yeah i feel like typically i'm on my shoots that i'm producing i'm producer director dp mm-hmm. which is fine um but now that i've kind of worked on some bigger sets and seen bigger crews i like really appreciate just having more hands on deck and more eyes on things like it's pretty wild it is yeah and uh yeah it's been super fun to come come assist on like some of these passion projects that y'all are doing and just like spec ads. Oh, yeah. Cause I, I missed the creative space when I was up in Idaho, we had like a big team and it's like, Oh wow. Like what you can get done and set up and get ready for a shot is phenomenal. It when is. there's like a lot of people kind of on the same goal. Cause when you're alone, <laughs> you can't, it's so hard to do everything. Yeah. It's, there's not enough time. No. Yeah. There's not enough time. That's the biggest thing. And when you have all those people, you can just like quickly create, you know, an ins- a really well lit image outside even, mm-hmm. you know, and move things around quickly and just work efficiently. And then on top of it, having, you know, someone like a director and producer who can also see the image and give feedback is extremely helpful. Yeah, because they might not, they'll see something that you might and vice versa. Totally. Always the assistance goes both ways. Yeah, like a lot of times I'm focused, when I'm shooting, I'm focused on camera movement and composition of the the shot. Yeah. And and I'll miss something that the talent is doing that's super awkward. Okay. And then later I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, it's so... (laughs) so awkward it's just like now we can't use that shot you know Mm -hmm. or we have to use a a take that wasn't as good or something yeah so and always always creating and always like trying to make something new kind of where does where do you draw creation from like the ideas or the creativity do you have like other inlets for that like outside of the i guess action Uh, sports space I, I mean, I feel like I just, especially on Instagram, I just follow like any DP or production company that I think does a really good job. Um, Step Studios is like phenomenal, insane. Yeah. Their work is so wild. It's so wild. And they do a lot of interesting rigging shots or like just interesting perspectives. Yeah. So I, I would honestly say I, I pull a lot from that. Um, Camp Four does some really cool stuff, mm-hmm. and I got to work with them uh, about a month ago. And a lot of the, a lot of the shots were like really cool. Yeah. Fixed camera stuff or mm-hmm. weird, 
perspective type shots. Yeah, Camp Ford does some pretty large stuff all over the world. They right? do. Yeah. So was that your first time working with them? It was. Yeah. And so how? Time. So in this progression, like, it's only been three years, and like these steps, like when they happen, kind of how do you like take those? Um. <laughs> I was so I was just talking to a friend about like imposter you you know yeah feeling that you don't belong and I I think you got to just come to terms with that with the fact that everyone's faking it a little bit until they make it yeah 100% <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I don't care what industry so, you're in or yeah you know I, I think you have to sometimes stretch the truth and be confident that be confident in yourself, be confident in yourself that you can learn what you need to learn for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I can't remember. And there's also a reason you've been given a seat at that table in yeah. some of these opportunities. Like it's not for nothing. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't, have, you wouldn't be invited out of the blue. You know, it's not no. like they just drew Randomly, a random name. Yeah. Out of the hat and like, like, let's give this kid a shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it feels like that, though, sometimes. It does. Yeah. And I, you know, there's also like a lot of terminology used on set and stuff that mm-hmm. you kind of, when you're first starting, you got to pick up quick. But I, yeah. I remember even just watching a YouTube video and like, what are the terms used? Why, yeah. are, why are they used? How are they used? Because there's a little slang and lingo and things are given different names and what they're actually called. And totally. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still constantly learning <laughs> stuff. They're like, go grab whatever. And I'm like, Okay, yeah. Yep. Like an apple box, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, there's a box full of apples. I remember. And we need it for this shot. Like, I remember hearing that for the first time, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, stuff like that. But I think I think you just got to go in confident. You know, I, I've definitely watched YouTube videos, like I said, to help study up. I had someone be like, you've shot on a red Komodo before, right? You can, you can be on set and be B-cam with a red Komodo. And I was like... Yeah, definitely. No problem. Yeah. I got this. Uh-huh. And my actual knowledge on the camera was like, I hit record one time. Okay. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know anything. So I watched a YouTube video <laughs> on like the menu and stuff like that the <laughs> night before. So you could um, change frame rates, frame rates at least. Yeah, exactly. And get a shutter. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked out fine. Yeah. So well, I, I think you got to just, you got to be confident. Yeah. And, and then also ask questions. Uh-huh. Like it's better that you ask a question if you really don't know, because then they'll just tell you in the moment. And I think when you're on set, it's like they're not really going to remember that moment. What they want is to move quickly and, and make if, sure you don't fuck up the shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's better for you to ask <laughs> than to just be like, OK, I'll go look for that thing. And I have no idea what it is. Yeah, you know, it's better just a quick and be like, just yeah. say something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember, I mean, just this winter, you invited me to go do a project on that big backcountry line. Oh, yeah. And you just threw my name in that I could go up there. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And I remember, like, I'm pretty confident in my, and this was more of just, uh, like, outdoor knowledge, not so much creative uh, skill. It was a pretty big endeavor. It was insane. And I remember getting into the parking lot at, like, what was it, 5 a.m.? Oh yeah. Something like that. And they start talking about safety and like what the plan is. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Well, what's funny is, is like, for some reason I thought you had like a ton of knowledge. So 
I had the endurance to get up there. Yeah. But as far as like backcountry, like saving someone's life, yeah, not very much. No, and that was like kind of going to be your job almost. If yeah. It was well, like, I mean, on that project, if they would have repelled down, I mean, I would have been no help if something would have broke after that. I couldn't oh, totally. have gone down in there. And I think that that was the issue with that entire project was the talent, the athlete was like wanting to do this line no matter what and was even willing to do it without a partner. Mm-hmm. And that was my worry from the beginning going into the into it because I just I was like, I don't want to film you die. Yeah. You know, if something goes wrong, like n- the camera crew is going to be far away. We're not going to be able to get to you in time. Um, nor yeah. do we really have the knowledge. Um, yeah. Cause like part. when you get buried after, is it three minutes? Your chance of survival goes down by like more than 50%. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, after three minutes, it's like you're, you have a 50% chance until eight minutes. And then after and then eight it's, minutes, it's like pretty low. Yeah. Something like that. Um, luckily that whole project got scrapped and yeah. we never shot anything. <laughs> Which was great, <laughs> but yeah, that would have been that would have been intense. Yeah, have you had any other projects kind of that you've considered taking or, or, I guess, rejecting? I mean, that one, that one, I kept. We just, I think, for that project, we had like six Zoom calls. Yeah, and the whole time I was just like, we need a safety officer, or you need a partner, or whatever. Like, we can't be responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that kind of got neglected. And so I, w- I was thinking of just turning it down, but like Wildhorn was standing behind it. So I was kind of like, well, this is like their decision, I guess. Um, hmm. But no, that's definitely been the most intense project. But I do feel like with the progression of my filmmaking in the outdoor space, there's also the progression of talent we're having on set, like the level of skill. Yeah. And I'm starting to feel like it would always be good to have some sort of safety officer on set. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, even go get my woofer at least and have knowledge because the athletes are starting that we're having on set are just like, they're starting to really push it, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't, I don't have any knowledge of what to do if something goes south. Um, yeah, and, and pushing some of those shoots, like you can get out there outside of reach pretty fast mm-hmm. where very quickly it can become like minutes start to matter. Totally. If something bad happened. Yeah. Or even if like, <clears throat> I don't know, someone blows like compound fracture something. Like that's all, it's such an easy possibility, especially with mountain biking. Oh yeah. You know, (laughs) things happen so fast (laughs) and like backcountry skiing, whatever, a crash is a crash. Yeah. You're pretty calm. You're pretty knowledgeable on like avalanche danger, but like in mountain biking, you can take a spill so quick and like someone can get real messed up real fast. Yeah. I mean, you got trees and rocks everywhere that are, and then on top of it, you're barreling down a mountain, you know, head first. It's like the perfect storm. Um, luckily we haven't had anything happen. That's good. But I always, it's definitely always in the back of my head. I think going into every shoe like that, mm-hmm. it's like, I really hope everyone stays safe first. And then second, 
I hope the gear also survives. Yeah, that's always a little <laughs> stressful when things are hanging out there. Yeah, I th- you know, I think that's maybe the one scary downside to all the interesting rigging I've been doing is I'm definitely risking the camera a lot more than I would like to. Hmm. Um, and there's, you know, I got some insurance and hopefully it'll cover things, but... Yeah, I mean, what what does camera cover insurance when you're hanging it out over a mountain bike off of a backpack? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, it's like drop and spill coverage. Yeah. And, and then you send it to them, and it's in like a million pieces. You're yeah, like, and like what? you're like trying to lie. You're like, I just yeah, I just dropped it. It fell, it. Off, it fell off the sticks, and it literally I exploded. <laughs> I don't know how well they're gonna believe that, you know. Uh, um, so I guess with fighting. Maybe burnout or just kind of grounding outside of work. What kind of helps helps the life and the creative process and doing this kind of keep flowing. And um, I th- I think the biggest thing is like just taking days off. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, Do you feel like in the world of like everything on social media now? So like turn and burn. Like you can put so much work into something, it's posted, and then like. Oh, yeah. The next day they were going to post something else and it's just like gone. And it's and it's watched for three seconds too. Yeah. Like <laughs> the know? average. Yeah. The average time is so low. It and is. So do you always feel like you can't take a day off? Does that kind of creep in? Like you always have to be creating? If I was like a influencer or something, I think yeah. I would definitely feel that mm-hmm. for sure. Because um, your pieces are more like seasonal. Yeah. Timeless still. I would. I mean, I would hope timeless, but you know. I don't know about that, but the thing is, is like, I, I give my deliverables to the company and Uh they use them how they want. Yeah. And then I don't see anything after that. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me really like how they do on social media Mm -hmm. or even how many views they get or whatever. I usually don't even, sometimes I don't even get tagged in the post, you know, if I made it, which is whatever. I'm not mad about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I think for me, it's really easy to just kind of like detach myself from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the prism film and stuff, I yeah. definitely care about how that was received by the public. And, um, luckily everyone was stoked, but like stuff like that, that's, that's stuff I care about, but all the small stuff, it's just like, it is turn and burn, but a lot of it for me is the shooting part. And like I said, I'm just treating it like practice and always just trying to learn. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'd say a good 60% of the time I don't even do any of the editing. Okay. Um, which is cool because I get to just kind of do the shooting part, which is more what I like to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't think that stuff matters to me, but like as far as, trying to stay out of it's it's so interesting because i think in our industry it's sort of like a flex to be busy all the time yeah it's and you get kind of addicted to it too like you get addicted to waking up at 5 a.m getting gear ready Mm -hmm. getting in the car not coming back till 9 p.m offloading footage and then maybe doing it the next day and just running on nothing and literally having no free time. Yeah. And you're, you're getting, you're getting hyped up the whole time. Yeah. 
like the community is pretty cool with hyping each other up and like when you're always doing stuff and like you're always out people are always like hell yeah like liking everything like commenting on everything and that feeds into like always kind of wanting to be doing something a hundred percent and i think you know since we all keep tabs on each other on social media it's so easy to have fomo and yeah not in the sense of being like oh i wish i was on that shoot but like if you're having a down day and uh-huh. then you see someone else having an awesome shoot going on you're like damn i why I sh- yeah i should be doing something sick right now <laughs> you know, i should be <laughs> shooting something cool um but i think you know so how do you balance it i i love doing little camping trips um, and going climbing mm-hmm. or mountain biking, even skiing trips like this winter, and then just not taking a camera. Yeah. And I I do have a little film, Fuji film point and shoot that I take on trips and mm-hmm. stuff, but that's just for memories. Yeah. And it's all auto. I'm not like trying to mess <laughs> got the light meter with, yeah, out there <laughs> mess with <laughs> settings or anything like that. So I think just you just got to be like okay. This week, I'm going to grind. You know, I got like four shoots back to back. I got to put my head down. It's going to be a little gnarly. And then the next week, you're like, okay, I'm going to go climb somewhere remote where I don't have service for like two or three days and just become an absolute pile of dirt. And Yeah, it's it's pretty wild how uh, significant you feel when you're like not attached to anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that's you know, in my world, it's, it's biking. It's like right. going to do seven hours on the bike. And then it's just like, I'm not really plugged in to it. Totally. Or like those trips where, yeah, you're not plugged in and how differently it affects how you think about the industry, or your own work or your, you know, air quotes success. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess how have, I mean, everyone kind of strives to be successful, you know, like you're right. wanting to, you're wanting to grow, you're wanting to progress. And so how have you, you know, made your own, uh, definition on success, like through this, um, like how have you given that to yourself? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think, I think every time I get a project done, especially a film, I look at it and I instantly have things I wish I could change. (laughs) (laughs) Almost always. Yeah. Um, But I think in a good way, you know, it's like you want to learn from every single film. So I I think the way I give myself success is just, you know, I probably tear apart my film first a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then I think about, and then I compare it to past films a little bit. Okay. And then you can really see the progression of where, like, you know, maybe I was more focused on lighting and so the shots look better, or composition, or maybe getting more close ups and details so that you feel a little more part of the story and can really feel what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think being able to compare myself to my old self is probably the best way to measure success. Mm hmm. But then also too, um, I guess I guess the influx of work is nice. Like like it I was, shows people want your work and your yeah. skill and <clears throat> For your sure. style. And yeah, I mean, like I said, like three years ago when I was starting out, I was sending out a million emails, <laughs> getting like no replies, 
and uh, which was fair. I didn't even have a portfolio. And then on top of it, I was like putting these terrible what's on my or like, you know, presets yeah. on my photos <laughs> and like everything just looked terrible. Um, and then to now where we're at with everything where like I don't really have to reach out to companies anymore. Mm-hmm. And not to say I wouldn't like to. Yeah. Um, I just don't it's have to. It's almost like you don't have the time as yeah, well. <laughs> I think having the time is, is the issue, which is where Nick Carnazzo, actually, who I uh-huh. think you've had on this yep. podcast before. He was on, uh, I can't remember which one. But yeah, he was a little on. bit ago. But uh, he went freelance a couple of months ago, and he's been helping me like, kind of be a producer and cool. just handle some of the more like um, FaceTime with the clients. Okay. Which is really cool because then I can just kind of focus on the upcoming shoot. Yeah. The producing side is, uh, I think way more, way more work than is like led on. And there's a lot of weight of planning things logistically, making sure like what client wants portrayed through meetings is like pretty, pretty important. It's super important. And you know, that's like, I had a project this winter that I was super stoked on. I was like, this is my best work, you know? Um, and I got, is maybe one of my bigger budgets I got at the time. So mm-hmm. I was very excited. And the client was like pissed kind of, <laughs> they were like, this is not what we wanted at all. And, um, that's a good example of what I was saying. Where like some clients just want clinical by the book shots and mm-hmm. you got to, just kind of force yourself to clients always right exactly client is always right um and you know i think it was a good learning experience of like that's when you just got to be extra clear Mm -hmm. especially if you're going to do something that's very unique um and stylistic you got to be clear to the client and give them examples so they know and they're not surprised when they get the final product yeah because that's basically what happened and um we're still I'm still on retainer with them, but it definitely has altered our relationship for mm. sure. Because okay. I think now they don't trust me as much. And then now I don't really want to shoot for them because I feel like I'm, I'm like choked creatively. Okay. Essentially. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, that's a tricky, it's a tricky situation. Mm-hmm. And every cl- client relation it's pretty different from my experience. Yeah. And so, and that's where having, getting, having yeah. Nick has been good because <laughs> I'll get kind of heated, you know, in the moment. And, and he and, takes it and not the client. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's more like, I want to, I want to send this email. That's like, Hey, you, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> yeah. Like I know, like whatever you you think you're supposed to be doing, um yeah it was it was a very frustrating email because i thought i did explain what i was gonna do and Mm -hmm. they approved it but clearly not well enough so yeah it's just nice to have someone in the middle uh who can who can be that person Mm -hmm. and kind of see both sides yeah because it, it is hard to not take it personally a little bit for sure when you're putting out your like your opinions and your creative mindset like you're you're putting your art out and mm-hmm. you know essentially they're just shitting on it 
Yeah. Like you're putting out your creative art that they're, you know, what they're hiring you for. And then they're just like not on board. And so, yeah, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Like, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they don't care. Yeah. They don't care if the story or like the visuals are entertaining. No. What they care about is like, the did we show the... all the features of this yeah. product? Yeah. You know, and or our service or. Exactly. And I'm thinking of it from the standpoint of like, can I keep the viewer's attention? Yep. Which is for me where a lot of like the cool rigging shots come into play. Like our attention spans are so low. They're so bad. And like, we're just, (laughs) we're just like dead inside. I think from just constantly consuming videos on social media. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty horrible. If you're not doing something unique, like you're going to lose the viewer's attention most likely. Um, Yeah. So how's that been with, you know, going between filmmaking and more serious projects and then mm-hmm. battling this horrible disease we all have. <laughs> you know, what's funny is uh, I work with this DP quite often and he's just been a great friend and he's kind of brought me into the space. Mm-hmm. And I remember like some of the first shoots, you know, we'd, we did like a real estate shoot and like, you know, it was, it was a cool house. It was like a $27 million mansion on this huge ranch with a pool. Jeez. All this stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're just shooting like a boring drone shot uh-huh. on the Inspire 2, you know, dual offing. And he's just like so calm and like bored. And I'm like, dude, this is the coolest shot I've like <laughs> ever. And I'm not even really shooting, you know, I'm just yeah. piloting the drone. Yeah. But there's so many times where I've been on set with him and other DPs who have been in the industry longer and they're there. I'm like freaking out about how cool the shot is. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, yeah, it's a shot. Like, I guess we'll be able to use it. Like, whatever. Let's move on. (laughs) You know, and I'm learning that that I think is a struggle in the industry. Like, I feel that way now with um, some of these clients where you got to kind of take it easy and shoot more traditionally and kind of just get the the basic shots but i think too i've i've been noticing lately that i've sort of started like focusing on rigging a little bit too much in the sense that i could work i've seen some gaps you know in my knowledge i mean Mm -hmm. there's a ton of gaps for sure but Mm -hmm. one one gap i've noticed lately is like with storytelling there's so many little things you want to get and they're not always the coolest shot. Yeah. But they're important. But what helps move the story or keep it. Yeah. There. And so I think like I was saying earlier, you just got to treat it as a, um, as a learning experience and notice those weaknesses and try to use those opportunities to work on it. Mm -hmm. Really. Um, yeah Hmm. it's tough though it's tough to get excited about certain things but you know what's funny now is like since i'm always outside and i don't get to shape light too often Uh i'm like what gets me jazzed now is like setting up an interview and getting the lighting like perfect perfect. (laughs) (laughs) putting up the screen get the backlight get the hair going on the back exactly like getting all the all the cool lighting elements because outside you like look at the monitor you're like all right, well, this is uh, about as good as it's going to get. So, 
<laughs> well, we uh, blew our 10-second window of sunlight, and it's dark clouds now, so we're just we're just going to shoot whatever. Yeah, we have blue, beautiful blue or golden hour in the morning, and there might be a kid on set, and you just miss all the good lighting in the morning, you know? <laughs> yeah. That might happen. <laughs> and we're going to cut this together in one edit, and it's going to look like three different days, even though we want it to look like one. So <laughs> that's just great. <laughs> oh, man. And yeah. uh, I mean, before we hopped on, we started talking a little bit about, you know, the space work can come and go, you know, frequently or not as frequently as we want. And that oh, can yeah. create a lot of like anxiety and anxiousness uh, around work. And so, kind of, how do you. And, you, you know, not just dealing with anxiety within the industry, but, you know, life brings that on multiple fronts. And so definitely dealing with that in the workspace, has it kind of helped kind of your mind, like outside of it as well, with dealing that with those emotions? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of anxiety stems from the fact that we're never guaranteed a paycheck. Yeah. Um, or work, I guess I should say. Uh-huh. So, you know, I, I feel like for me, work definitely comes in waves. And at first I'd like get so nervous and anxious when I didn't have things lined up. Mm-hmm. But I think I've just realized and kind of studied the trends. And it seems like there's like if there's if there's no projects lined up, that means to just like be in the moment as much as possible and like soak that up because soon a huge tsunami of work is about to come (laughs) and you're going to wish you had nothing on your plate. Yeah. Cause if you're just so worried during, you know, a period and it just like kind of ruins your mood or your relationships or Mm -hmm. uh, where you put your time, that time's gone. Yeah. And I think it, it can, that can lead you to burnout because you're never really relaxed. And then when yeah. you do get that wave of work, you're extra stressed and you don't have like, you know, juice in the battery mm-hmm. for that. Um, and I think too, that's so another, another thing I wanted to add to the burnout thing uh-huh. too, was, um, a good way to tackle it is to kind of stop taking low paying jobs because it's so easy to learn to just, yeah take anything um and sometimes it is good to take a low-paying job if it's going to be an investment either with like networking or with a client i'm actually i mean even right now i'm like talking with a client and i they basically want to cut my budget in half Mm. um even though it was kind of already a ridiculous ask Um, but I'm like still considering it because I think it could be a good learning opportunity Mm -hmm. and a good investment with a company that I could potentially work with way down the line. So I think learning, learning to just kind of like, you know, write a pros and cons list of like, is this actually worth it? Do I actually have time right Mm -hmm. now? Or, or is it better to be focusing on spec work or something like that instead, you know? Yeah. Putting your energy looking at the bigger picture of things. Cause if you're always yeah. taking low paying jobs or, and even like outside of, you know, the creative space, like if you're always taking up your time and energy doing things you always don't want to do, mm-hmm. you're never really going to, you know, pull much enjoyment out of life. You're not. And you're going to like, like no matter what anyone says, like you're going to put 
not as much effort into something that you're getting like a really low pay for because Mm -hmm. you're not going to feel like they value you and then you're not going to value the project. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it's almost better to clear your schedule and work on a spec project that you are passionate about and that you are going to put 110% into mm-hmm. and is going to actually help you get more work in the long run. Mm. Yeah, so um, kind of how 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 is the process of learning, you know, like when to say no kind of changed, you know, in the workspace and outside the workspace and kind of the balance between work and life and play. Mm. Uh, that's tough. Because Cause everybody always wants to like say yes to everything, totally. whether it's like work or not, like an opportunity comes and you kind of just feel like you should say yes. You do. Cause you're like, what if this is the last job for a while? Yeah. I think, I think that's a common mm-hmm. um, thing we're all thinking in the back of our head, but um, yeah, I don't, I, that's, that's tough because I think it depends on where you are in your career mm-hmm. and how often you have to go find work rather than it coming to you. And I think there are some jobs, especially like working with production companies where like, you know, if you haven't been on set before and they ask you to PA mm-hmm. for like next to nothing, maybe take it because you're yeah. going to get a lot of experience they're gonna get to know you and then who knows later down the line you might get asked to fill a bigger position yeah a bigger role and and get paid better Um, yeah if you're coming from the uh you know single shooter freelance (laughs) world and you get asked to go on set you better do it for free oh like i remember going on as a junior creative director at a marketing agency and I was had just been freelance for like two years mm-hmm. and I remember getting there and I was like, I am, <laughs> I am in the deep and, and That's I scary. don't know how to swim. It's and, so scary. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it was insane. Like how much I learned. Oh yeah. And, uh, just in one day probably. Oh, every meeting was just like, Whoa. And then every set day I was like, this is crazy. Like I didn't know yeah anything but then you ended up working for a production company right yeah we did a lot of stuff there okay and so i was it was like a production house but they also did like website it was like a one-stop shop for like all media and marketing okay um and then i was just on the media side of it so yeah we did a lot of commercial work and documentary stuff and yeah storytelling and writing and Lots of meetings. Yeah. Lots of meetings, which That's is like arguably my favorite part. Like I love planning. I love the logistics. Oh man. Like I love storyboarding. <laughs> like I love it so much. It's so much fun. That's awesome. That's the part I don't like. I'm like, just tell me where to be and what time and like what, and what the story is. And then I'll, you know, come up with a <laughs> shot list <laughs> and figure out how we can rig the camera in some weird way. <laughs> That's that's cool. So you got, I mean, I feel like that's another good way to get a ton of experience too, is like maybe get a nine to five working with a company that has like a media department Mm -hmm. and really see the whole process. Yeah. Cause we, you know, in those creative meetings, you know, we just had the creative meetings with the film crew. And then, you know, you also had meetings with the social media department to kind of how do we fit everything 
into their campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we make the three-minute spot? But then on the shoot day, how do we make a separate shot list to make sure we get, you know, five to ten, 30-second videos? Right. And so you're writing, like, so many different scripts. We were making sure you can get it all done in one shoot day, which was really incredible. Like, you got to use your time, you know. It's two birds, mm-hmm. one stone type of situation. Right. And just trying to make sure you can fit it all. Because, you know, media, like, you need all of it. Yeah. Like, you need the copy. And like, it, you need... Everyone's getting paid so much on a production day. It's like, yeah. you want to milk that as oh, much as yeah. possible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, yeah, dude, what uh, what you got going for the rest of the year? And any big plans, goals? I know you got a big climbing project. Or did you do that? Did you already I, knock it out? We knocked it you out. You knocked <laughs> it out. I remember, like, you put it out. I was like, oh, he might just be doing... Because he said you're going to do half of it, right? That was the plan. Yeah, um, and I remember, like, seeing the first story. And it was like, pitch, like, 12 or whatever. And I was like, oh, maybe this is their half attempt. And then, like, you made it to the top. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that was kind of... Yeah, my roommate and I were like, let's do this um, this 22-pitch multi-pitch in Utah. It's like the second biggest in the U.S. or something. Really? Um, yeah. I think I forgot what the How biggest is. How many feet is, is it? Like, or I think it's the biggest in – or second in, biggest in North America or something. Uh, how I many vertical it, feet did you climb? It was 2,000. Or just shy of 2,000, I think. Okay. Uh, the climb is called like squash struck. If anyone okay, wants to squash struck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's graded a five eleven. Okay. Minus, or something like that. But yeah, the plan was just to go to pitch twelve, and then bail and or like assess, but like probably bail was like the thought. Dude, I, I, my question is, how the hell did you plan to go halfway, about and then or more than half? And then keep going water, food, energy wise. <laughs> Dude, we brought way too much. <laughs> like like way, way too much. So we had we had one backpack. Okay. It had six Nalgenes and two Gatorades. Plus like sandwiches. Okay. A ton of bars. Uh goo, which is like this weird. 30 grams exact, of carbs yeah, in a little packet. Yeah, you know what it is. Yo, yeah. I know them well. Yeah, all the bikers <laughs> know what that is. Um, so we basically just brought too much. And then whoever was going to come up last, they're on top rope, essentially. Yeah. So they were carrying the backpack. Mm. Um, and, yeah, we realized after comparing ourselves to the other groups that we were being a little bougie about it. But we just had no idea, yeah. you know. Prepare I mean, for took, the worst, I guess. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it took us 13 and a half hours from car to car. So it definitely dude, was a big that's day. That's a day. It was a big day. And it was it was just funny because... You got to be pretty mentally locked in. Yeah, a little bit. Like, forget the... Men- like, physically, that's really <laughs> tough. Right. Like, really tough. But mm-hmm. mentally, I mean, you kind of got to be on your shit a little bit. A little bit. I mean... It's it's similar to road biking, I feel like, in the sense of you gotta like. The I don't know, fast. man. Like true, but I like you on top of a cliff, and like I just don't want to be there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be terrified. It definitely. I mean, we're climbing, uh, you know, like sharp limestone. It's just tearing you apart yeah. the whole way. So, I think the tricky part was is like, it's easier and 
it starts easy and gets harder and harder. So by like pitch 14, you start getting into the crux pitches. Mm, that's um, fun. That are when you're really exhausted and you're exhausted mm. and you're tired and like beat up. We did have less water by that point. Less weight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, it's just like we got to pitch 12 and we're like, we're here. Uh-huh. Like, whatever. Let's just do it. Like, we have the water and food. Let's just see if we have, we can always come down. Let's just see if we can do it. So as a, as a fellow person who loves the suffer, like why, like, why does it draw you? Uh, I, I don't know if it does draw you. Does it draw you? A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. So like what, like what makes it when I know I'm going to have a hard day and I think that's where, yeah, I, dude, I get so sad. Yeah. (laughs) I like don't sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you're like, you're like low key shitting yourself, but yeah. at the same time you're like, it's going to be great. And I'm going to be stoked at the end of it. Um, and I think that's actually to go back to filmmaking for a second. I feel like that's what's helped me in the outdoor space. Like I was saying, it's like, I am suffering when I'm shooting skiing sometimes a little bit, but at the same time I'm like enjoying that I can test my body, I mm, guess. Yeah. A little bit. It's a weird, but yeah, I think I don't know what draws you to wanting to do like 150 miles or a hundred miles on a bike and just sit on a seat. That's <laughs> rubbing your buns raw. <laughs> hmm. You must have some gnarly calluses back there. Dude, the saddle sores are real, man. You got to get some chamois butter is what they call it. Anyway, what draws, <laughs> what draws me into it? It's, it's more of just, uh, it's all mental. Like, obviously, you build up physical endurance to push farther and farther. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, like, this last weekend, like, Friday, I did 107 miles. Didn't do anything Saturday. Like, Idle Falls to Island Park, and then I was in Island Park, and I was just wrecked. Yeah. And I was planning on just, like, riding back with my brother. And then I just woke up that Sunday morning. I was like, like, why not see what my body's capable of? Like, I've never done like a back-to-back century with like a day between. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, let's just like see where we're going. (laughs) And I remember like the first hour I was just literally just fuck this. Like (laughs) I was so like not there. And I was like, I don't want to be here. I thought about like turning around and just going back and getting a ride back to Idaho Falls, like throwing my bike in the truck with my dad. But then, uh, you kind of just have to find this like inner grit and, you know, it helped a lot with my mental health. Uh, couple years ago that really changed my life Mm. and so now when it's just like a true suffer fest like you just have to go inside internally and kind of just like find a reason to keep going right um and then also i just think time alone with your thoughts is crucially important because we're all so stimulated all the time right i remember talking to you about this and i was like what do you listen to on the way and you're like sometimes nothing yeah i was like yeah i mean like the ride up there on the Friday, I, I, I think I listened to something the whole time. Mm. Um, and then on the way back, I also was just around family and a ton of little children, which is really hard for me. It was so loud. Yeah. <laughs> and so the for the first, I think, three and a half hours coming back, it was just silent. And a lot of times, like, I'll go out and just, you know, shut the music off and let whatever my mind brings up because i think when you're suffering it starts to like kind of crack you open a bit for sure um and you kind of just get to think about the things you need (laughs) to think about 
You're like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> well, that, and then also, it's like a meditative space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if you just, it you don't have to go suffer too. Like if you just go be with yourself without distraction. Yeah. Like it's okay to not go out with like anything stimulating you for three hours. Like your mind will come up with things you need to think about. It's true. If you're if you're lacking in your relationship with your partner or your family or your friends or the creative space or the creative space, like something you're lacking in your insecurities. Like I promise you they'll come up totally. And I think it's really crucial to kind of just confront those things. Yeah. I think, I think that's really smart and honestly really eye opening. And I feel like that's maybe why so many of us, are dealing with mental health issues right now is because we're just never unplugged and we don't give our brain time to think. Yeah. Like if you think about it, like I spend way too much time on my phone. I think a lot of people have a lot of screen time. Yeah. And like if you wake up, check your phone, whatever application you're on, and then you listen to music or a podcast on the way to work. And then you're always talking or doing something. And Mm -hmm. then it's Netflix at night and it's, YouTube at night, check your phone before you go to bed. Like what original thought did you have today? Totally. If you don't take time to journal or you don't take time to just to sit with yourself, it's what did you learn? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually used to always watch TV right before bed mm-hmm. and then basically just like turn it off as I'm like falling asleep, you know? Yeah. And then the past six months or so, I just, We'll get in bed. Maybe I will be on my phone for a second, you know, mm-hmm. but then I'll just shut it off and just lay there and like think about work, think about projects coming up, like what shots would be cool or how should we do this? Mm-hmm. And then I'll just slowly, you know, nod <laughs> off. But yeah. I, I feel like get, even just giving myself that 20 minutes before I fall asleep is like so useful to come up with creative things mm-hmm. or work out other life problems or issues that yeah, are coming anything up anything you're you going know? through emotional wise so mm-hmm. in climbing do you what space do you find yourself in when you're you know i i think that's the coolest thing about climbing is like no matter how terrible my day was or how anxious i am about something when you're climbing you're just so focused on like the move ahead mm-hmm. especially when you're pushing yourself yeah, your mind really can't be anywhere. It can't be anywhere else. You know, if you're if you're doing easy climbs, then I'll totally be thinking about it. For sure. And, you know, relatively to your skill, and that's right. going to change for everybody. But well, that's not fun. Like, you want to, you know, you want to be pushing yourself, or mm-hmm. at least that's how I feel. And that's, and that's when you really, like, enter flow state, and you're just so locked in on just the one move you got to do. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, what is the next move? And I think that's what's so cool about climbing is everything just kind of turns off. And so it's like, it's so interesting too, because there was a month where me and my climbing partner were both, you know, we're just kind of down bad. We had, we're both going through some like girl issues, I think. Those will always get you, man. (laughs) It's just making us so (laughs) anxious. And so we were like going every day to the climbing gym Uh and just wrecking ourselves but for those like you know two or three hours would be at the gym it was amazing because we just shut our brains off you know enter flow state and just be there at the gym 
also too i always like make sure i don't have my phone on me so i'm mm-hmm. fully unplugged and so for those two to three hours you're just like everything is all, all your problems just kind of go away yeah you know and then as soon as we're walking out of the climbing gym it's like <laughs> all the thoughts rush back in <laughs> you're like ah oh, shoot life so- have you drawn kind of any of those parallels from, you know, that state of climbing and uh, whether it's mental clarity or focus or, you know, uh, voluntarily suffering or voluntarily facing something hard mm-hmm. um, into your daily life? I think, I I mean, especially with like editing, sometimes I just, I like get stuck on something mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I'm. I'm just not moving forward on this project. And that's when I know like, okay, this is a good time to go to the gym or go do something outside and just take a break. And like, I I feel like for me, I'm an active enough person that if I don't do something active that day, I get kind of cranky. You know, it's like, it's like people who get cranky if they're hungry. Yeah. I get cranky if I don't exhaust myself at some point. And so I feel like that is a really good way to do it, especially for editing. Cause like, I think I get kind of restless sitting in a chair, uh-huh. staring at a screen for a couple hours. Yeah. But if I exhaust myself, then I'm happy to be sitting down. So that's a good little trick. <laughs> nice um, man. But I, I was going to ask you because I feel like, especially last year with how terrible the ski season was, mm-hmm. I found myself but I was still shooting a decent amount of skiing and I found myself um, running into this this issue where I didn't want anything to do with skiing, even if it was for fun Hmm. Um, or even I think being in the cold, you know? And so coming into this last season, I was like, I'm going to go somewhere warm for like three months and not shoot skiing. But then we ended up having a good season and (laughs) I kind of a little bit, it definitely reignited my passion for skiing a bit, but I was just curious, like with road biking for you, how do you stay passionate about it as a sport and not let work like kind of take over and, and ruin it in some ways? Hmm. Cause you're around it constantly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, consumes my life. Yeah. And, uh, Man, that's a good question. It's something I always kind of have to address almost weekly. Um, I can remember I went and I wanted to go do, uh, I was near Sedona and I did a week and my body just felt like shit and my legs weren't, you know, the power wasn't there and my fitness wasn't there and I was like, what's happening? Yeah. Shouldn't I be progressing? Like, shouldn't I be moving forward? Like, why am I not riding hard? Mm. Um, and then I just found myself just like looking at everybody's Strava segments and everybody's power and everybody's like miles they're putting out. And I was just getting like, it's so like upset social media for, yeah. Um, yeah. For anyone not, that doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. Strava, you just see what everyone's doing, running, trailing, backward skiing, whatever it is. And I just was hating it mm-hmm. and I was like, this isn't healthy. So I planned a good suffer fest for me on the bike still um and i just you know didn't have anything and i just 
thought about why I like it and why I got into it and what it does for my life and what it does for my mental health. And it's not about performing and it's not about beating other people. Right. It's about finding something that keeps my brain healthy and my body healthy. And with this sport, like I do like to progress and like, I do like to push myself. Yeah. Um, and in kind of the distances I distances I'm starting to do now and weeks I'm starting to do now, I have to be really careful with where I put my priorities. I have to be really careful of like my sleep schedule, which affects my mental health. I have to be a little bit more aware of like what I eat because right. that affects my mental health as well. So it's kind of like helped round my, my life into this, you know, almost, I don't want to call it like a flow state, but it helps me from like day to day. Mm-hmm. Like from when I wake up to like when I go to bed, it gives me like structure around a healthy lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I just really like to ride my bike. Like it's <laughs> yeah, so much cl- fun. Clearly, which is great. <laughs> I love that. Like I love being outside. Uh, I'm a big fan of the skin track. I love mm-hmm. to walk up hills. I don't really care much for the ski down anymore. Um, uh, but just being outside and experiencing nature and experiencing plants and animals, I don't know. Yeah. It's gotten me kind of hippie about it, but I think it's the best place to be. I love being outside. Yeah. Um, do you, do you feel like, uh, you know, like being able to bike is a tool for you with work, like the work side of being able to shoot road biking? Cause I feel like on top of you being able to just road bike with the team, <coughs> You also know what's going to happen ahead of time. Oh, uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, it's like starting to creep into my work life now. Um, like things revolving around cycling Mm -hmm. and this has been the first year. Um, so I haven't done like any big stuff. I've done some photography work around the sport. Like I'm going out, uh, next week to do some more photography with it. Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I didn't really answer that. No, it's what was okay. your question? I mean, I was just, I was just comparing it to skiing because uh-huh. I think shooting, you know, working so much in the ski industry made me kind of not like skiing anymore for fun. Mm. Yeah, but maybe that hasn't happened for you yet, and I should just leave you <laughs> in your nice little happy bubble <laughs> that you're in. You're like and your crash will and come. And if you your do get to that come. point, then we have that conversation. Um, um, well, I guess I have like it's not like a professional workspace, but like putting out, you know, dumb little TikToks and Instagram reels changed uh-huh. my life. Like oh, really? because of those, like I got a sponsor. Oh, that's that's awesome. And just last week a uh, uh, clothing company reached out and like they want to put me in kits damn and so the imposter syndrome is very real right um because there's dudes that are so much stronger than me mm-hmm. and it's like you know why am i here like why did i get free bikes right yeah like i'm not that strong relatively like, to the I'm not sport the top guy on strava not even close <laughs> i get smoked out here in utah like these dudes are so strong <laughs> um and you know the some sponsored by vetus to be one of the riders and i was with their pro team for criterium racing and i was pretty open about all the insecurities 
Right. Um, and they were like super awesome. It's been like, dude, you put in work, you know, from the media and bike sides to just, you know, live in it. Like you're not here for like a false reason. Like going back to, you know, you going out with camp four, like any of these tables, you get offered a seat and like, you're not there on accident, whether you want to tell yourself you are or not. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you know, just the self affirmations of like, Hey, like I've, I've put in time, I've put in sacrifices, I've put in energy and work and yeah, my name popped up for a reason, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's been a, yeah, it's been a trip. Mm-hmm. It's been a trip for sure. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool actually to hear because I think for the longest time I was actually still <laughs> I'm putting zero effort into my social media presence uh-huh. um, because I don't feel like I get work that way. Yeah, weirdly enough, because that's the platform where a lot of stuff is viewed. But mm-hmm. um, I feel like word of mouth is more how. I get work, but like yeah. hearing that you're just getting sponsors through TikToks and stuff. I think that's, that's just cool to hear because yeah, that could, maybe that's something I need to work on. It'll give me work. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know. It's a weird thing. It is weird. It's like, how much time should I invest before I just give up? Well, it, yeah. And like a testament to just, you know, if, I don't, I'm not in a place to give advice. I don't feel like, but, uh, if you're not yourself, people are going to see it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's always been something I've kind of tried to keep in the back and I've tried to copy other styles of like how I want to portray myself online and like, Oh, they're not posting like this. Like, why am I posting like this? And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like you just have to be yourself and it doesn't matter if it's social media or like around people, like you have to live life unapologetically. Mm -hmm. Um, I think your life's just going to be better all around. You're going to attract the friends that need to be in your life, uh, the partner that needs to be in your life. Right. If you're trying to front for anybody, you know, it's pretty easy to kind of see through that. Definitely. Do you feel like you experience any burnout with that side of social media? Because I feel like with making TikToks and reels and stuff like that, you're kind of always maybe in the back of your head, like looking around for things that you could use for that stuff when i was really worried about it mm-hmm. yeah it would start to get really overwhelming because i i try to follow like see the trends and like do the trends and follow like what was trending like music wise or sound wise right yeah very quickly like anytime i do that maybe a week or two and i'm like not posting for another two weeks because i just can't right Cause then you start looking at like, well, if that was, if that was working, like, why aren't my numbers working? Oh, sure. You know? And so I've just had to like get away from that. And I just post the same, just kind of why, how, like how I view biking, just little highlights of my rides, like Mm -hmm. little things here and there. I love the community of, um, what bikes offer and yeah, just kind of wanting to create what I want to create and not what, you know, the social media gods are calling for (laughs) right i think that's such a tricky line to walk because you do have to a little bit follow the trends Mm -hmm. but at the same time you got to find your niche and stick with that yeah um and be original and be yourself Mm -hmm. because i think i think it's pretty scary with like 
um, you can start to like kind of fall into a persona that might not be you. Mm, And when you start getting validation for something that's not quite you, I think that can, you know, start to open up, uh, just not living yourself or making compromises to who you are or making compromises to like what you want to create. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's maybe where true burnout starts happening because when you start creating for other people and not your own. Exactly. You start creating things that you don't want to be creating Mm -hmm. and then it doesn't feel fun and you're not invested in it. And then that's when I think it really starts to feel like a lot of work. Um, and I think then too, you're not like proud of what you're doing. No, you know, and then, and then you're just like, yeah, I don't know that hole you were filling with your creativity and your style, I think starts emptying out a little bit Mm -hmm. and that's, yeah. Yeah, the social media space can be such an unhealthy thing. <laughs> For uh, sure. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so bad. It's bad. Yeah. And it's really hard to balance. It is. I um, think we all secretly want it to die, but know I it's wish. not, and also know that we have no self-control and we're addicted. Yeah, and I think, you know, a big thing that was really hard for me for a long time, and I still go through waves of it, is you always only see the outcomes Mm-hmm. And they're always good. Yeah. Yeah. You never <laughs> uh, see the failures. And you don't see the process. Um, and so, like, when things aren't going right in your life, and, you know, your day to day is technically like your outcome of your past week's process. Um, but if it's not working, like, stick to the process. Like, right. stick to the things that are going to be good for your mental health. Like, stick to the things that you know, are going to help your work life and your family life. Um, you know, being consistently good is better than being occasionally great. Um, like the small things added up over time are just going to compound. Right. And so I've just tried to just always stick, uh, keeping my, my mental health up front over like my success anywhere else. And then everything else just kind of falls into place. Cause if I let my brain start to fail, I just have a hard time being a good, a good partner or a good son or brother or whatever it is. It all totally. just starts to crumble. Oh, definitely. And yeah. the workspace, people know. And no one wants to be around you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but we all go through it. Like, I'm not saying, like, you know, don't show your bad emotions if they're there. But, you know, it's important to find ways to navigate them. Yeah. I mean, you got to find some sort of outlet, I yeah. think. And I think for you and I, that's that's where like biking or climbing and stuff like that come mm-hmm. into play. Um, but yeah, that can that can really take over your life. I definitely felt that way at the end of the ski season, and I didn't think I would get there. I think everyone has this like, I don't know. At least I had the thought of like, I'm stronger than that. I'm never gonna mm-hmm. break down mentally. Yeah. And then I got there a little bit and I was like, okay, I get it. I, I think everyone thinks that. And then this happens. Yeah. You get a little, you get a little wake up call. Yeah, exactly. Slapped with reality. Yeah. And I think that's where you just got to like, all right, we're not going to work. We're going to go on a trip or whatever, do whatever makes you happy mm-hmm. and focus on that for a couple of days. And then yeah. 
all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm ready to work and I'm excited about it mm-hmm. rather than um, dreading it, you know? Yeah, so I guess, like, how, and I have, how have you kind of balanced that mental health with just going through the space and hobbies and, you know, navigating our early and mid-20s and just kind of going through it? Because there's always ups and downs. There's always, yeah. And sometimes the downs are real down and real long. <laughs> well, I think what's funny, too, is, like, the downs always seem way worse than they are, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I try to keep that headspace of like, like this is, you're going to get through this. It's not as bad as it seems. Um, you know, at least try to tell myself that yeah. <laughs> in the moment. And that's hard sometimes. It's really hard to like, it's when you got hard. the blinders on and like your problems are, you know, right up in your face and you can't see around them. Mm-hmm. It's a hard it, thing to believe. It is. And I think, I think especially like on set, sometimes things get really stressful mm-hmm. like we're racing you know the sun going down or stuff like that and i think one thing i've realized like i i think in in your early career you're so focused on producing the best work you can possibly create mm-hmm. and i think it's easy to lose sight of the fact that being stressed or and showing that um around the other people you work with is going to affect your relationship with them Mm. and losing and having that relationship is more important than you getting like a perfect shot you know yeah and so i think one thing i've been trying to do because it's really hard especially when you're wearing so many hats to just like be present on set and just be a fucking human. Yeah. Cause you're just thinking about so many things Yeah, and it's hard to like take the five minutes to just socialize with the models for the day mm-hmm. and get to know them or whatever. And I, I'm really trying to change gears with that and just focus on that. And because in the long run, I think you're, you're investing in relationships that, are going to help you for sure that day, but then also in the long run. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, it's just, it's more about trying to build a little bit of a community rather than being that, that person on set who's like, this is work and we're here to work and Mm -hmm. like got to hustle, you know, Mm -hmm. before the sun goes down or whatever. Um, but yeah, I forgot what the original question was, but uh yeah just balancing that oh balancing yeah the mental health of you know keeping it um i think it's i think it's taking breaks and i think it can be is something as little as literally just telling someone you're burnt out can like yeah it's okay to you know show that you're not totally just acknowledging that and like letting someone know like Mm mm-hmm like you know whether that be your partner or even maybe just a friend yeah that you work with or something like you need to talk things out yeah (laughs) exactly like as soon as as soon as i just say something out loud i'm like oh i feel way better yeah like i'm I'm actually fine (laughs) like Like, actually it's not a big deal (laughs) (laughs) like now i'm saying it out loud like (laughs) 
There's way worse things happening. My life is pretty good. Why am I <laughs> complaining? You're like, oh, yeah, well, thanks for listening. Yeah, like, yeah, like, thanks yeah. for listening. Don't just completely <laughs> disregard that, and we're going to move on and do whatever we got to do here. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and I think those conversations to be had maybe a little bit more often than we want to have them. Totally. It's okay. I wonder if social media, like, social media behavior trickles down into our real lives because like you were saying on social media, we never are going to show the bad times. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that trickles down into our real lives where like, we just don't tell anyone if we're having a bad day or if something bad happened or for sure if we're down. And like, sometimes you're down and you just don't even have a, a reason. Mm-hmm. So you're like, why would I even say anything? Because it's stupid that I'm down right now. Yeah. Like I'm mad at myself for being down. And then you get more down on yourself for being <laughs> mad about how down you are. Yeah. Um, That's a fun spiral. Yeah. It's a fun spiral that usually is very lonely because for some whatever reason, we don't think that we can voice it or like the fact that we're a burden or, mm-hmm. you know, they seem like they're doing okay. Because their social media looks like they're doing okay. Right. And so I don't want to, you know, barrage them yeah. when they've got or their own. why am I not okay? Yeah. Am I lesser of a human? Am I not as strong as them? Yeah. And they've got their own just pile of shit that they, you know, they've got in their closet. Yep. Buried deep down. And, uh, you know, these conversations are important and healthy to have. It is. Yeah. It's o- It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's right. okay to have a down day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, I think that's a pretty good spot to end it. It's uh, almost pitch black out here. I think it is. We just have the city yeah, lights. We're, we're kind of uh, just sitting in the dark now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have turned the light on. Well, dude, I appreciate the time. It's yeah. been a good one. Dude, thanks for having me. It's been super fun. I was, like, so nervous to come on this, but <laughs> honestly, I felt like just like I was saying, talking about things talking about you know your bad days i feel Uh like even just talking on this podcast has helped me think some things through so dude i i love to hear that uh go listen to nick's podcast he had you know he did the same thing he's like maybe i should just quit my job and go freelance (laughs) and i was like maybe you should man (laughs) (laughs) he's like yeah he's like we we talked it out and i kind of think that's the move i'm like hell yeah man oh that's so (laughs) sick i didn't know that that's awesome. And now he's now he's killing it. Now he's killing it. Helping me with stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I think everyone should quit their job and go freelance, but <laughs> I know that's not always an option, but <laughs> uh, well, all right, man. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for having me.